Okay, we'd like to welcome you to our weekly Bible and current event study for October 7th, 2007. And today we're going to be talking about a couple different topics, a lot of Bible verses today. Um, we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ and how the Bible predicted his coming. Now there's many, many scriptures that predicted his coming. In this particular instance today, we're going to be talking about false prophets, and we're also going to be called, talking about Jesus Christ, the true prophet, because he is referred to even as a prophet. There's many uh, offices that he actually held when, when he came to the earth, and we're going to be looking scripturally at some of these verses, and uh, then we're going to wrap it up by looking at what the earmarks of a true false prophet are. And there's many verses, particularly in the New Testament, that d will define this. We're going to be getting into some subjects today that I don't think I've ever gotten into um, on my teachings. I know we've always touched a lot on false prophets, but today we're really going to be doing a detailed study on how to identify them and how to stay away from them. And what to look for, what not to look for, these types of things. So hopefully this will be a, a, a message that you might be able to pass on or forward to someone else. Now, what you can always do with these with these lessons is you can actually take um, uh, like a link. Like if you go to to the sermons audio page and and there's ways that you can just click where you can forward that page to somebody. You or you can copy and paste the link out, and you can actually email that to somebody. You know, if this is a particular sermon that you might feel benefit them, not just with mine, but with you know anyone you might be listening to, like Pastor Slattery or Pastor Weaver, these types of people. And uh, if you need to email me, my my email address is on the uh, the web page for the sermons audio page. So let's start out by going to Deuteronomy eighteen. Verses 15 through 19. Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 19. Now this is, uh, in, in the Bible that I have, it's, it's the little heading here is the great prophecy of the Messiah, the prophet. Verse 15. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet. Now this, in the King James Bible, this word is capitalized. You'll notice. This isn't just a lowercase prophet. This is the prophet. Okay? So the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren. Now, who is this Who is this verse being addressed to? It's being addressed to the Jews. Okay? This is, this is in Deuteronomy. Okay? And this is being addressed to the Jews. So when it says, in the midst of thee, in thy brethren, we're talking about the Jews. Well, Jew, Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. Okay, and that's in John. So, this is another confirmation we're dealing with Jesus here. Uppercase P on the prophet. He came to his own, his own received him not. Came to his brethren. And then it says, Like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all I shall command. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. 
So, these verses are going to be kind of pivotal because we're going to go to now the New Testament and see how this was confirmed. Now, notice the theme here in verse 16 before we go there. It says, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire anymore, that I die not. This is kind of a theme that we're going to be looking at today, where many, many people are really not after the truth. No matter if the truth is painful or if it's not painful, so many people are not after wanting to know the truth. They would say, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord thy God. Neither let me see this great fire anymore. So this is a common theme we're going to be looking at today here. So if we go next to John 6.14, John 6.14, that verse says, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth. That prophet, this is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. Okay, now, what are they talking about here? This is in reference to the verses we just read in Deuteronomy. Okay, because Jews that were well versed in the scripture, in that particular case, case the Old Testament, or even the Torah, at this point, the first five books of the Bible, um... They were looking for a prophet to come. Okay, and these, these, and then it says, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. Okay, so they were identifying Jesus Christ as the scriptural fulfillment of particularly Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, and verse 18. Now notice, even in verse 18 in Deuteronomy, it says, I'll raise up them a prophet, and that, that word is capitalized. It's different. It's kind of like capitalizing the word Jesus, or capitalizing the word Lord. Anything that pertains to him, I tend to capitalize. Okay? And the Bible many times does the same thing. Notice, and, and if we flip back to Deuteronomy, notice, and we're going to get into this a little bit more, but in verse 20 of Deuteronomy 18, it says, But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name which I have not commanded. Now, I'm not going to get into this yet, but notice that it says, But a prophet, it's a lowercase p. This is just any other prophet. Whether he's a true prophet or whether he's a false, it's a lowercase p. Whereas the prophets we're referring to here in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 and verse 18, it's an uppercase p. In reference to Jesus Christ and his deity. Just a little side note there. It's nothing, you know, but it's it's interesting. So then let's go to Acts 3.20. Acts 3.20 says, And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Now this is exactly in reference to the verses we just read in Deuteronomy. Okay, so this is the scriptural fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18 verses 15 through 19. Okay, 
which is neat. Okay, this is just one, this is more of the prophetic confirmation and fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18 verses 15 through 19. And here we have a verse, John 16, 6, 14, which talks about this, and then Acts 3, 20 through 22, which we just read. And then in Acts, um, I, I stopped one verse short, Acts 3, 23 says, And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. See, this is the consequence, ultimately, of rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you do that, ultimately, you're going to be destroyed. If we go to Acts 7.37, it says, This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. Okay, there's another scriptural fulfillment in the New Testament, confirming an Old Testament essentially prophecy about the prophet Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, primarily, Jesus Christ is obviously Lord and Savior, creator of the world, these types of things. But one of his offices was prophet with a capital P. Okay? So, um, just some interesting things here that we, we're seeing uh, how Scripture's confirmed here. Now, the Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. So now we've already got three witnesses in the New Testament of the prophecy... In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy. Kind of neat. So, now, there are many, in today's day and age, that claim to be a true prophet, like Jesus Christ. Not the prophet, but just, a, let's say, a true prophet. Particularly, you see a lot of this in the Pentecostal movement, in the Messianic Jewish movement, and a lot of the fringe pseudo-Christian cults. You have a lot of people saying, well, I'm a prophet, and this or that. Um... But, if you're going to call yourself a prophet, you better be able to pass the test of a prophet. And let's look at that. And that's what we had already kind of started getting into here. This is back in Deuteronomy 18. Now, after we've just talked about the Bible predicting that a true prophet is going to come, the prophet, with a capital P, then we go to verse 20. Deuteronomy 18, verse 20. It says, But the prophet, lowercase p, which shall presume to speak a word in my name, in other words, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, or the Lord, which I have not commanded him to speak, or shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. Okay, so now, it says right here, that if a prophet, now this is Old Testament, I'm not saying we're supposed to go out and find false prophets and kill them. Okay, but Old Testament times, they did. It was a lot harsher, the penalties for things. I mean, hey, you messed up on the Sabbath, you die. This is why I tell, ask people, you know, they're so, they're so bent on keeping the Sabbath. And um, I'm like, well, you better be doing it the right way. You better, you better not be, you know, there's biblical mandates in regard to the Sabbath. And, uh, you know, I, I get into that whole teaching on, on the Sabbath versus Sunday. So I don't want to go down that rabbit trail, but... If you want to know more about that, listen to that particular sermon. So it says, oh, um, "But the prophet which shall presume to speak the word, which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die." Verse twenty-one says, "And if thou shalt say in thine heart, how shall we know the word of the Lord, word which the Lord hath 
have not spoken. Okay. Well, that's a fair question. How how do we know if the word didn't if the Lord didn't speak it? Okay. How do we know if this guy comes up to me and supposedly gives says he's a prophet or whatever? Gives me a word of now, oh brother, you know, I got a prophecy from the Lord for you. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. When I was in the Pentecostal church, people would come up to me, sometimes tell me to do very specific pointed things, and I never one time when I acted on any of them, every single time it was a false prophecy that was given to me. They had not heard from the Lord God, but they had presumed to speak a word in His name. This is very serious. Okay, but they don't, they don't look at it being serious. Oh, God is all love, it don't matter. I can blabber all I want and lead people down the primrose path to hell. But as long as my heart's sincere, it's okay, because I really believe God's speaking to me. Who cares what you believe? If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, and it doesn't come to pass, then you didn't hear it from God. Or if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, and it does come to pass, you still didn't hear it from God. Because the devil's going to come with all lying signs and wonders. And he's going to do a lot of things that seem pretty amazing or are going to seem real true. So you better be comparing scripture with scripture on this. Verse 22. When a prophet speaketh... Now, this is how we know that the Lord hath not spoken this thing. When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass... That is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. Don't even pay attention to him. Now up in verse 20 it says, even that prophet shall die. So this was like a death penalty. If you went around, and I'm going to confirm this in the Old Testament here. It was a death penalty. You went around as a false prophet, but see today, oh, anything goes in in. in Today is charismania. This is pr- particularly prevalent in the tongues movement. Pentecostalism. Messianic Judaism. Hebrew Roots movement. Like I said, I've mentioned some other ones. There's many There's many that, that call themselves prophets and these types of things. But how many of them... How many of the people in these churches are actually putting them to the test of a prophet? I never saw it done once, ever. Not in any church I was ever in that, that, that did this. Or, or you think they're doing this up on uh, TBN? Paul Crouch? You know how many false prophecies Benny Hinn's given? There's a whole laundry list of them. Every single one of these televangelists, especially the ones with the Pentecostal bent. And I'm sorry, it seems like I'm picking on them, but you know they're the ones that get into this stuff. Oh, words of knowledge, prophecies, and all these other things. Do you realize how many false prophecies they've given? I've sent out whole emails on, on just false prophecies on an individual um, person. I sent one out on Benny Hinn recently, Kenneth Copeland, uh, you name it! But see, my people love to have it so. That's what the Bible talks about. Prophesy unto us smooth things. And we're gonna we're gonna look at these verses here. Okay? The, the the people love to have it so. And that's the pathetic thing about this. They're embracing and loving, if you think about it, the strong delusion of Second Thessalonians chapter two. 
that God said, I will send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned, who receive not the love of the truth. That is the whole pretext for them being damned. They didn't receive the love of the truth. Now, the, the primary truth we, we always that's going to save us is the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and what he did to save our souls. So if we go further, um, and, and another point here. This is one of the main reasons I came out of the Pentecostal church. Because really one of the first things that, op- the first thing that opened my eyes was when I understood and finally yielded to the fact that the King James Bible was the Word of God. And God is not the author of confusion. you got a pastor up there reading out of a living Bible. i got an NIV. The guy next to me has got an American Standard Version. I mean, it's, it's confusion. And somebody gave me a tape from Gail Ripplinger. And I, I, it was a, vi- a video of her being interviewed on the show. And it was, it was amazing. There was no way I could refute it. And I was teaching a Bible study at one of these Pentecostal churches. I mean, this is a radical Pentecostal church. I figured, hey, if I was going to do it, I was going to go all the way. And um, I was probably the most radical one out of the bunch. I really was. I was pretty nutty. And uh, looking back, <laughs> to my shame, but um, I, I want to tell you that because I don't want you to think that I'm sitting here acting like Mr. High and Mighty, Mr. Sanctimonious. I am better. Listen, I've been the Holy Roller route. Literally. <laughs> oh yeah, I've done I've done all that stuff. And I was considered probably one of the most, if not the most zealous person, out of a church of, I don't know, we had four or five thousand members at this church. But I was one of the most radical. Um, to my shame, yes, it was like misguided zeal. It, it's like the Bible talks about, when it, when it makes references to, they have a zeal, but not of knowledge. And, and I was into a lot of stuff, that I, that um, doing a lot of stuff. And I was really a baby Christian at the same time. So I was very open to this. But when I was given this Gail Ripplinger tape on the King James Bible, I'm telling you, my eyes started to be open once I yielded to that. And then I started showing the people that were my Bible study. I had a Bible study I was teaching, I think on Tuesday nights. I don't know, 20 or 30 people. And um, I started showing them, and they started getting their eyes open. And then I tried to go to the pastors, and as soon as they saw the name Gail Ripplinger, they said, oh no, she causes division among the brethren. That's one of the, the main verses they'll always use to, to discourage you from, from um, seeking truth. Oh, she causes division. You know what? You know what Jesus Christ said? He said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And a brother will be against sister, and a father against, you know, daughter, and these types of things, okay? So when it comes to truth, when it comes to embracing the truth through the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ many times will bring a sword and separate you. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. There's all kind of verses that talk about this. But they'll, call, they'll use it to say, causing division among the brethren. The only time when that verse applies as far as causing division among the brethren would be if, let's say, you had a nice biblical congregation and everything was going smoothly and somebody, just for for one reason or another, starts contention. And there's no good biblical reason to start the contention. It's not like they're doing it for any biblical reason. They're just doing it to start contention. That's causing division among the brethren for no good reason. Okay? But there's a time when you separate yourself and 
Truth is always preeminent. Jesus said, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So see, the word is truth, and that's what makes us free. The Bible also says, Sanctify me through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify means to be made holy and set apart. Okay, so reading the word, and also faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We can go down all these, these other rabbit trails on how important it is to read the white word of God. Well, when I got the King James Bible issue settled, I could actually be sanctified through truth now because I had the real truth. I had the unleavened truth. I didn't have the NIV anymore with 64,098 words that have been removed from the text and that's an exact figure which is almost 10% of the total text which was, which was essentially translated from the revised version of 1881 who, who is, which this version was primarily translated through two occultists named Westcott and Hort who were totally unsaved had seances, did all kind of, you know, fun stuff like that. They derived their text from two Catholic documents called the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticanus, which, which, which they came from Egypt originally. I didn't have that Bible anymore. So I could actually be sanctified now. I could actually be set free now through the truth, because I had the unleavened truth of the King James Bible which comes from a totally different line of Bibles. A totally different stream of Bibles. And there's only one Bible that came out of that stream, and that's the King James Bible. God is not the author of confusion. All these other 200 versions that are out there, that all go, fall on the other side of this other stream of the revised version, that's confusion. They've added to, they've taken away from God's Word, which is absolutely forbidden in Scripture. So I'm just telling you that that's one of the main things that got my eyes opened, as a Pentecostal. That was the main thing. And then I ordered a series of five videos from this guy out of Australia where he went into... and You can't even get these anymore. I, 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 I'm, I've tried to find them, but you can't get them anymore. And he went into a lot of these Pentecostal... Uh, what he did is he got tape footage from these Pentecostal meetings and he started slowing these guys down when they were talking and sometimes... Um, seeing what they're saying when they thought they were off camera or off mic, sometimes they actually reverse them. Because if you ever heard of the thing of backmasking, backmasking is something that Satanists do many times to convey messages through in a subliminal way. And I'll tell you what, it was 20 hours of footage. I watched all 20 hours probably about twice. And when you get done with these... There will be no more doubt in regard to the Pentecostal movement if there's evil going on. There will be no more doubt. Because, I mean, it was sickening. And everybody that was with me watched these tapes pretty much. There was about, I would say there was about ten people that came out of that Pentecostal church. Well, see, I was causing division among the brethren. Well, if they were in a true church where they were getting the right word spiritually fed... You know, that'd be one thing, but they weren't. They were getting led, basically, to hell. So, but do you, do you know, though, that within about one to one and a half years, every single one of those people that came out of that church with me, 
all went back into it. Knowing all the stuff that I had shown them and, and knew, and, and I'd showed them the King James, that they were, you know, seeing how corrupt it was, they all went back into it because there is such a pull of the flesh with the Pentecostal movement to go back into that junk that they all went back into it. Every one of them, as far as I know. One of them's a missionary now. He was one of my, at the time, one of my best friends. He's what he's uh, a missionary, and he, uh, you know, he has his body piercings all over. Uh, I, I, I'm assuming he has some tattoos. Um, you know, I found out that that he was he was addicted to coke, cocaine, for a while, and he, that he was gay, and you know, all the stuff. And I mean, <laughs> this is the type of stuff that's going on in churches, and yet these people will go and say, oh, but you know, God still loves me. I mean, I'm, no, I'm not... Listen, I'm not saying I'm perfect either. Okay, but you don't stay in your sin. If you if you have sin, you don't stay in it. And if, you have, if you're reading the wrong Bible, how do you get yourself sanctified? How do you get set free? I'm telling you, it's that, it's that important. What Bible version you read. It's that important. Try to rebuke a devil using, using um, a false Bible version. Quote, quote scripture from an NIV. I've had a lot of, I've seen this from a lot of people that have done um, all type of um, of these ministries where they try to help people get set free from from you know demonic entities and things of this nature. And there's many that I've heard say you know to try to use another Bible version is like trying to use a pea shooter. Whereas quoting scripture from a King James Bible is like using a machine gun. Gets the job done. So, anyway, that was just my little testimony there on that. Um, if we go now... Did somebody have a question? Yeah, Doug just brought up a point about these tapes that I had said, I, these, these five video cassettes that I'd listened to. Couple, one of them was on, like, the Toronto supposed blessing, show called Toronto Cursing. And then a lot of it was, um, you know, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, uh... All these, all these reprobates, and you were in a lot of it had to do with the tongues, and they were they were slowing down the tongues and, and um, reversing the tongues sometimes. And I mean, there were many instances where they were calling out to Satan. Many, 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 many instances where they were calling out to Satan or demons. Or uh, one time they called out to Bacchus. Bacchus is the god of wine and debauchery. Um, just. It was it was one after another after another after another. You, I mean, there was when you got done with this twenty hours, there wasn't any doubt. You know, there really wasn't any doubt. I wish I wish um, I, you know, they put these up on YouTube. I don't even I don't think they're available anymore. But there's there's so many other the other uh, um, DVDs and CDs you can order. If if you go even go up to uh, like cuttingedge.org and do a keyword search for um, you know, false prophets or or uh, these types of things. They've got whole whole DVDs that get into this. Uh, n- not quite to the extent that this series did, because they they really focused on actual words that were coming out of these guys' mouths and um, catching them off camera, saying a lot of things that they didn't know that they were being caught off camera saying. And it was sickening. It really was. It was it was unbelievable. But. It was very, very powerful as far as convincing me that I was on the right track. <laughs> so anyway, 
If we go to Deuteronomy 13.1, Deuteronomy 13.1, I'm going to go there myself here. Okay, Deuteronomy 13.1. And again, this is another test of a false prophet. Okay, so we've already talked about one test of a false prophet. Let's look at another one. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder. Now, okay, so now we're not just talking about a prophet. We're talking about somebody that dreams a dream. So there's a lot of people that might even be in the Pentecostal movement today, or in a lot of these movements say, oh, I had a dream, you know. Deuteronomy 13, verse 1. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass. Now look at this. This is not talking about if it doesn't come to pass. This is talking about, yeah, it came to pass. Okay? Whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of the prophet, or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. This speaks volumes. This ver these verses here. How many times have you ever heard this preached on in the church? Most of the time these things aren't preached on because they wouldn't be considered politically correct or the pastor would be indicting himself. Especially if they're of a Pentecostal origin. So, let's say you got a dream of dreams or a prophet. They give you a sign or a wonder. Remember, the Antichrist is going to come with all lying signs and wonders and will deceive many. And if it be possible, even the very elect shall be deceived. This is all Bible. So let's say it comes to pass. And the sign of the wonder come to pass, where if he spake unto thee. But then he says, so it comes to pass, but then this false prophet says, let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Well, this is what they do in witchcraft all day long. This is how people get involved in witchcraft. They'll see something that, that seems like a sign or a wonder. It's a demonic thing. I mean, let's face it. There, there, is, there is certain power in witchcraft. These people just don't get into this stuff because there's no benefit. Whether that benefit is, is a lying sign and wonder, or whether it's monetary, or whether it's... Uh, who knows? There's a lot of reasons people get into this stuff. But... None of the time, when we're talking about a lying sign or wonder, will that person that performed the lying sign or wonder ever point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. doesn't happen that way. The lying sign or wonder, and then they say, Let us go after other gods which thou hast known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt, thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet, or the dreamer of dreams. So in other words, listen, I don't care if, there's a, if you get shown a lying sign or wonder. That's not what we're supposed to base things off. But you know how many people that, that are going to fall hook, line, and sinker for the Antichrist when he comes? You know how many so-called pseudo-Christians are going to do the same thing? Because they're going to say, oh, who can, do unto the, who can do things like unto the beast? There's a Bible verse that makes mention of it. Who is like unto the beast? The Antichrist. Because he's going to, I mean, and then he's going to have many, then Jesus says there, there will be many antichrists that will come and deceive many. So there's going to be people all over the place doing lying signs and wonders. You think you've seen a, a, some now? You just wait. 
the spirit, this, um, this thing that the Bible talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where God is going to send a strong delusion. See, God's permitting this to happen. He's permitting this. It's not like these lying, these people that are performing lying signs and wonders are just doing this because they're, they're they have some uh, power beyond God. God's permitting it to happen. Why? That they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth. Well, that's not very nice. That's not very Christian. I'm sorry. It's not my rule book. It's God's. So if you have an argument, you really need to search things out in Scripture, as the Bereans did. And see if what I'm telling you is true. Go, read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to give you so much scripture today to confirm this that I'm hoping there will be absolutely no doubt. So let's just read verse 3 again. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of the prophet or that dreamer of dreams. This is the one that gives the lying signs of wonder that came to pass. For the Lord your God proveth you To know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Oh me! What's this talking about? Does this mean I might be proven? All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We know that. God said he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. Why? Because then he wants to know what can't be shaken because it will remain. If you build your rock, your house on the rock of Christ Jesus, when the waves come, and the earthquakes come, and the winds come, you're still going to stand. See, you're not going to be deceived. You may, there may be a season you get deceived. I, I was. I do think I was saved, even when I was in that Pentecostal junk. Because the Lord ultimately brought me out of it and convicted me of it. I had this conviction. Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if ye be without chastisement, ye are bastards, which is an illegitimate son. The Lord, the Lord was chastening me. And he was showing me, and he was bringing me out of these things. Okay? The Holy Spirit lives inside you. That will happen. One way, shape, or form. I'm not saying you can't resist it. But if you resist it, then it'll get worse. But notice here, that it says that this person was shown... Align signs and wonder from either a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and it came to pass, but that prophet or dreamer of dreams said, let's go and serve after other gods. God let it happen. Why? For the Lord your God proveth you. Does that mean we might get tested? Yes, it sure does. And you ain't seen nothing yet. Pardon my French. We're all, you know, the time's coming very shortly where, you know what? We're all going to be tested. Including me, Scott Johnson. We're all going to be tested. What's in us is going to come out. I'm not, I, I'm including myself in this. Because I don't want to say this like I'm above this. Okay? We're all going to find out soon enough what we're made of. And, and I mean that from a biblical sense. From a Holy Spirit living inside us sense. Okay? That's why I say, don't trust in the flesh. Or don't trust in a man. Cursed be the man that trusted in man, that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. And you better have the right Bible. You better have the right Bible, too. That's, what's, that's the key. And you better, I mean, to memorize the Scripture. What if it gets taken away from you? Well, the Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. So, if we go further, 
for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. See, this is a test of your love for Him. Are you going to let the lying signs and wonders override your love for the Lord? Well, wow, it seems so real. I prayed for this, this, this dreamer, had a dream. Yeah, he told me to go, you know, uh, he, he told me to go to this false church. They have the, but, but he had this dream that I got all this money and, I, 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 and it happened. And, and, and I got this money, and, and yeah, he told me to go to this false church, but, but I got the money, and, um, uh, or I got a car, or something. And, that, and that, that's, that's more real to me now. than Well, you've just been tested and proven, and you've just been tested and found wanting. As the Bible talks about in Daniel. Weighed in the balance and found wanting. That's all it's going to take. I'm telling you right now, God's the one that's letting these things happen. He wants to know who is on his side. He doesn't want lukewarm. He wants one way or another, either hot or cold. The lukewarm will be vomited out of his mouth, according to Revelation 3, regarding the Laodicean church. So, this is interesting. Verse 4. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him. Now, that's something that's never talked about in the church. Fearing God. We're going to talk more about that. And keep his commandments and obey his voice. And ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. To cleave means to be basically like made to join yourself to the Lord. And that prophet or the dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. Well, this was a pretty serious offense in the Old Testament. It's still a pretty serious offense today. Ultimately, if that prophet... Today, I'm not telling you to go out and stone somebody, but ultimately that prophet is, is going to um, die and go to hell because the Holy Spirit's not speaking through him. And he's going to probably take a whole bunch of people to hell with him. Now think about this. The demonic spirit or spirits that are occupying a false prophet or a false dreamer of dreams or whatever you want to call them, that demonic spirit has one goal. To deceive and to take as many people to hell as possible with him. He's using a human as his instrument in order to accomplish these things. The human is getting the obvious benefit of maybe accolades, fame, uh, money, these types of things. So that's how the human is benefiting. Now the human's going to go to hell. He's going to be used by the demons to take as many people to hell with him. See, Satan, Satan wins in that scenario all the way around. But God does let it happen because God will prove you. He will prove you. He will test you as a Christian. It's like the Bible talks about the silver being refined, you know, in the furnace, or the gold being refined in the furnace, and, and with this, when silver is refined, the dross, which is like the um, like the bad material in the silver, will come to the top, and it can be you, you can get rid of it then. Okay, when it's heated. And the Bible talks about the furnace of affliction, where, we, where we're made purified and we're sanctified through affliction. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So the Bible clearly talks about that. So, and that prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God. Do you know how many people, false prophets today, are actually doing that? I don't care if they call themselves a Christian or not. 
They're in some false TV ministry, or some false whatever, and ultimately, they're leading people to hell. There may be 50% truth in their midst. There may be, let's say, 95% truth, but it's that 5% leaven that's killing you. The five, I mean, rat poison is like 90%, 97% like, I wouldn't say good food, but edible food, and 2 or 3% poison. It's all tanks. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Leaven is always equated with a type of sin. Jesus Christ warns of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This is what we get with a lot of the false prophets today. On TBN and on the TV ministries, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Well, how does that apply today? We don't really have the Pharisees and Sadducees in modern day Christian movements. Yes, we do. They're just a different name. They're guys like Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and Hagen and, and, and uh, John Anvenzini and Fred Price and, and uh, Oral Roberts and, and you name it. Billy Graham. They're all in there. If you have any doubts, just email me. I'll, I'll get you an expose on any one of these people I just mentioned if you, if you need. But why don't you do it yourself? Because you can find these things out on your own. There's a good website you can research these. It's JesusIsSavior.com, I believe. Jesus is Savior. He's got the best website. You want to know about wolves in sheep's clothing? Just go up to that site and do a keyword search within the site. I, I like if you would stay in that site because not all the sources you're going to find are going to be totally biblical. Um, but you can find this stuff out on your own. And that's a very, very solid site. And it's, it's voluminous. You want documentation. You want links. You want to research some things. You want to be like the Bereans who were more noble than those in Thessalonica. That's a great site to go to. And I'm not saying it's the only site, but it's a good, really good site. I'd say it's the best. If I could only send somebody one place, it'd be to that website, if they're researching this type of material. So, then it says, Because he, this false prophet, that has spoken to turn you away from your Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. So shall thou put away evil from the midst of thee. So, when they're talking about putting away evil from the midst of thee, they're talking about putting away this false prophet. Do you realize if we were to do this in the churches today, you'd have to probably start with your pastor first off, for the most part? Whether, because, even if he's not making false prophecies, what if he's some little little 501c3 corporate church stepchild that's not preaching the not really preaching the truth, or preaching a watered-down gospel, preaching a feel-good gospel, you'd have to almost start there. Why? Well, because if the head is sick, the whole body will, will be sick too. Well, isn't he the... I know Jesus Christ is the head of the church, but the pastor is actually the head of the congregation. You wonder why the churches are in the shape they're in. Most of the time, all you got to do is look at the pastor. That's where it starts... If he's all full of leaven, don't expect you're not going to get full leaven. If that's the man you're going to to get your your whatever from, you're not getting truth. Or if you are, you're getting a, a leaven form of it. So let's go a little bit further here. Oh, just just another point. Um, when we just read in Deuteronomy. 3, 5, and that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death, because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed you out of the house of bondage. Think about this. I know this was given to the Jews, but isn't that what he's done for all of us who are born again and saved? 
through the Lord Jesus Christ? Didn't He bring us out of the land of Egypt and redeem us out of the house of bondage? We were all on our way to hell. Just an interesting side note there. So let's go a little bit further. Uh, Jeremiah 14.10 well, Doug just brought up another point. If we go further with this Deuteronomy uh, chapter 13, if we go to verse 6, now this isn't so much in the realm of a false prophet, but this is in the same context. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is which is as thy own soul, it says wife. Wow. Or thy friend. Now I understand this is Old Testament Levitical time. I'm not telling you to go and kill your wife or anything, but I'm just saying, this is what the penalty was back then. Okay? And God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He still abhors sin. He still abhors anything that will turn you away from truly putting Him first in your life and loving Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Okay, so this is what this is in reference to. Okay? So if thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or thy wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is, thy, is as thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which thou hast not known, Thou nor thy fathers, namely the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh unto thee, or far off from thee, from the one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth, thou shalt not consent unto him, obviously. You know, you're not going to pay attention to this guy, or consent, nor hearken unto him. Neither shall thine eye pity him, neither shall thou spare, neither shall thou conceal him. But thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death. This is how serious this was. And is. It's, why it's very important what circle of people that, that, that you're with. You know, because if you're with the wrong ones, and, they're consen- and you're consenting to them to do evil, you know, this is not a good thing. So it says, Neither shall thou conceal him, but thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be a first upon him, to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. And thou shalt stone him with stones, that he die, because he hath sought to thrust thee away from the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt and the house of bondage. Which again is what he's done for every single born-again Christian. And all Israel shall hear and what? Fear. And shall do no more any such wickedness as this is among you. So, in this context, if your wife had, had enticed you to do these wicked things, you were to take, lay your hands upon her, take her out and stone her. Wow. Or your son or your daughter. Man, that's rough. We're going to talk about this a little bit more. Now, I'm t- I know, it's Old Testament, but the precedent, you know, there's, there's always wisdom that we can glean and garner. And this is a very serious matter for the Lord, obviously. If we go to Jeremiah 14.10, Jeremiah 14.10, <laughs> That says, Thus saith the Lord unto this people, Thus have they loved to wander, and they have not refrained their feet. Therefore the Lord doth not accept them. He will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. See, His people, which were called by His name, they loved to wander. And they refrained not their feet. They, they didn't hold back from wandering either. Therefore the Lord doth not accept them. 
he will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. See, when you do this, the consequence is, is that, okay, now you, you want to, now God's going to really remember your sins and your iniquity. Verse 11, Then the Lord said unto me, Pray not for, for this people for their good. Did you realize there's a time that you don't pray for somebody? For their good? I mean, when the Bible says, Bless them that curse thee and, and, and do good unto them that despitefully use you. Does that mean that when you bless them, when you pray for a wicked person, you ask the Lord, Oh Lord, bless them, make them rich, and bless them in every way, shape, or form. Well, why would God want you to do that? Because the Bible says that it is easier for a rich man, or, or for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why would he want you to bless somebody in their wickedness? What's the only thing that really matters up until the time you get saved? getting saved, if you think about it. What, is it. what does it really matter if somebody's unsaved going to hell and you're praying for them blessings and they're wicked? Wouldn't that the only thing that really matters from a biblical standpoint is if they get saved? Now, after that, there's other things that can matter. Lord, do whatever it takes to get them saved. If you have to hang, them over to hell, if you have to hang that person over hell for a day to get their attention or to put the fear of God on them, do it. It would be better God hang them over hell for a day than them spend all eternity there. To me, that's really asking a blessing for them. Because you cannot ask a greater blessing for someone than salvation. Okay, so that's just a little a side note there I wanted to kind of bring up there. Okay, so the, it, it says clearly in Jeremiah 14, Pray not for this people, for their good. Who are these people? The people that love to wander and have not refrained their feet. Then it says in Jeremiah 14, 12, When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and oblation, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. See, there's, a, there's, a, there's an imaginary line with God that once you cross it, it's done. You're You're over. He's not going to hear your prayers anymore. It's not going to matter. You're not going to get saved on your deathbed. Do you know how many testimonies I've read, like before they had the advent of these modern day drugs, of people that were on their deathbed, that had been presented the gospel numerous times, and on their deathbed, or close to their deathbed, let's say even a week out, they were like, I want to get saved, I just can't. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has to be there to draw you. The Holy Spirit has to be there in order to make, to seal the deal. And, and because the Bible says you're sealed by the Holy Spirit under the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit's not there to draw you. You can't get saved. You just don't get saved anytime you feel like it. Okay? That's why the Bible says, you know, do it now. Call upon God now while you still can. Okay? So, there, there, this, is a, this is a great example of this very thing. It says, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings, I will, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, and by the famine, and by the pestilence. They've crossed the line. That's it. You don't pray for them? Now, does that mean we should go around judging? Oh, they've crossed the line. I don't pray for them. I, I don't... The Bible talks about in 1 John chapter 5, it says, If you see his brother sin a sin unto, unto death, you shall not pray for that. So, that's a reference to that in 1 John chapter 5. And I don't want to go too far off on any of these rabbit trails because I want to kind of try to stay on point. But that is a reference to not praying for somebody that's sin to sin unto death. The closest thing that I can, I can give as far as a definition of what is the sin unto death is 
habitual, repetitive, over and over, turn your back on God, loving to wander, not refraining your feet, as we just talked about here, until you finally get to the point where your consciousness has been seared with a hot iron, you couldn't get saved because the Holy Spirit's not there to draw you anymore. I think that's the sin unto death. Habitual sin with no desire to repent. Over and over and over and over. And at some point you cross some type of imaginary line and only God knows what it is. You've committed the sin unto death and it wouldn't matter if you pray for that person or not because God's not going to hear your prayer. There's a time, it says right now, that God will not hear your prayer. It says pray not for this people, for their good. It says I will not hear their cry. I will not accept them. And He won't hear your prayer for them either if they've crossed that line. And then in verse 13, it says, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say unto them, Oh, now listen here. We've got the people that whose feet love to wander, who don't refrain their feet, but yet they're still religious. It says, When they fast, I will hear their cry. I will not hear their cry. When they offer burnt offerings and oblation, I will not accept them. See, they're still religious. They're still going through the motions, but guess what? God's not going to hear their cry. Behold, the prophets say unto them, these people that love to wander, ye shall not see the sword, neither shall ye have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. Sounds like Smiley Joel Olston. Or Rick Warren. Or one of these reprobate apostates, worthy of hell. Because that's where they're taking their followers, to hell. What are they saying to them? You won't see the sword. We're not going to have famine. You know what? It's going to get gooder and gooder and gooder. Again, pardon my French. Everything's going to get better and better. We're going to usher in the kingdom. This is where we get the, the whole thing of dominionism. Now that's, that's gaining a big time foothold. In, um, where, we, where they believe that we, by our own actions, are actually going to bring in the kingdom. Set it up for Jesus Christ for him to come here. But we're going to basically be doing the work. What an abomination for the pit of hell that is. Jesus Christ is the only one that can straighten out this mess. Jeremiah 14, 14. Then, so, and again, with what we just read, there's a lot of this going on today in the church. Before we go to the next verse, let's just go to Hebrews 12, 25. Hebrews 12.25 Okay. Okay, so Hebrews 12.25 See ye, see that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Now, what is the primary way that we hear God speak to us today? Oh, I know. Oh, okay, Mr. Pentecostal, what, what do you think? Well, he gives me personal revelation every single day because the word of God's not enough and I need to have extra biblical revelation. Well, Mr. Pentecostal, if that's the case, does anything that 
God is telling you ever contradict the Bible? Well, I don't really search it out, so I really don't know. And, well, yeah, there's been a whole bunch of stuff that probably contradicts Scripture, but it doesn't matter because it's more real to me. Well, you know what? And I said this was a little dramatization I just did, a little thing. But if what you think you're hearing from God contradicts the Word of God, you didn't hear from God. Because God is not the author of confusion. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is truth. Okay, so... The word of God is what we have to base these things off. It's what we compare anything that we might hear, like even this message, or, or any message we might hear, we need to always compare it with what the word of God says. And if it doesn't line up with what the word of God says, throw it out. So let's go back to verse 25 in Hebrews 12. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Now again, we've just established the way that the, way that the Lord primarily speaks to us today is, is, is in his completed word, the King James Bible, for, you know, in, in the English. Okay? For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. Now this is what we're talking about here. God lets these false prophets and these things happen, because he's trying to remove these things that can be shaken. There's going to be a time when the wheat and the tares are going to be separated. Okay? yet once more signify the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Now, as a born-again Christian, Bible-believing Christian, with the Holy Spirit living inside you, you read in the King James Bible, you put in your faith in the King James Bible, you know, and there's a lot of aspects, obviously, that go into the Christian life. But those are the things that you do so that you won't be shaken. Because there's going to be so much deception. And there already is. But, but we've just seen the tip of the iceberg. Okay, so much deception that's coming at us. And this is why I'm trying to get these messages up on the internet. A lot of this is going to probably come from this whole stupid alien agenda thing. In concert with the Antichrist making his appearance. In concert with the lying signs and wonders. And the other false prophets that are, that are due to come on. The ascended masters and these types of things. This lie that we're seeing, even that's basically built into the intelligent design myth. That these, that these um, aliens were the gods of old. And that essentially they're coming back, that they, they created us and we were their big science project. Now, if you don't have your foundation built on the rock of Christ Jesus, on His Word, how are you going to stand against the, the, the things that are coming? The Bible says, if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. So, if we go further, verse 27, and this Word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby which we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Wow, that's not a real positive verse. 
Well, I'm sorry, but that's just the Bible, okay? Um, we're supposed to serve him with reverence and godly fear. Now, I'm, I'm preaching as much to myself as I would anyone else, okay? Um, but when we embrace... I said all that to say this. When we embrace false prophets... We're denying, at the same time, we're denying the Word of God. When you deny the Word of God, you're setting yourself up for judgment. And deception. And hell. So, it's just very, very important, you know, how we're approaching this subject with the false prophets. Because there's more false prophets today than there ever was ever in the history of mankind. I would predict. Um... If we go back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 14, and we'll pick up at verse 14. Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesied lies in my name. Oh, well, that, that's how I know that they're Christians, because they prophesy in the name of Jesus Christ. But it, right, it says right here, The prophets prophesied lies in my name. They were probably prophesying um, in the name of Jehovah. You know, the Lord God, Jehovah. But then it says, I sent them not. Neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision. And divination. Divination is basically like fortune telling. Seeing of the future. Divination. Witchcraft. Forbidden in the Bible. Penalty was death. We're going to talk about that either next week or the week after that. I'm going to do a whole teaching on this. On all the biblical prohibitions of witchcraft. And define them. They prophesy unto you a false vision div and divination and a thing of naught. And the deceit of their heart. Remember, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name, and I sent them not, yet they say sword and famine shall not be in this land. Again, here we go with, with the flowering words. Oh no, sword and famine. You know, that's you're not getting any of that at Smiley Joel's church or Rick Warren. They're just telling you everything's gonna get better and better and better. And then when things start getting really, really nasty, they're gonna look at these false people and say, You're a liar. And I'm giving up on God. Well, you know what? If that's all it takes for you to give up on God, verily you have your reward. There's many people that are going to use that excuse. And that, you know what that excuse? You know where that excuse is going to get them? Hell. You don't put your trust in man. The Bible's very clear on that. But they weren't reading probably a Bible. They were reading some perversion. And that they weren't even reading. They never really had much of a chance. They weren't seeking these things out. So, if we go further. Sword and famine shall not be in the land. This is what these false prophets are saying. But then it says, by sword and famine shall those prophets be consumed. Now, this is what we really need to happen. From a biblical standpoint. Can you imagine... And this is going to happen at some point. When these false prophets start getting consumed by sword and famine, 
And I pray to God it's that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider of His doing, the righteous shall be glad and the Lord shall trust in Him and all the upright and heart shall glory. Now that's Psalm 64. See, when God judges the wicked, many people will typically get right because great fear will fall upon the camp. We need that fear. We don't have that fear in America. We don't have, we have fear of man. We don't have fear of God. You have to have fear of God, not of man. Well, I don't really have fear of God. Well, then pray for it. Read the Bible. Pray for it. If you read the Bible and you pray for it, you'll get it. Okay, eventually. Verse 16, And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword, and they shall have none to bury them their wives, nor their sons, nor their daughters, for I will pour their wickedness upon them. Huh. It says, and the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out of the streets. Well, do you think you're going to be able to use this as an excuse? Well, yeah, but Benny, Benny led me astray. Benny, good old Benny Hinn. I, God, I, I didn't know any better. Well, it says right here, and the people... To whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. And they shall have none to bury them. You won't even have a proper burial. It says here, it, it, in regard to this particular verse of, portion of scripture. Them their wives, nor their sons, nor their daughters, for I, for I will pour out wickedness upon them. What does that imply? That implies that these people to whom they prophesy will be cast out in the streets by the famine and the sword. They'll die and none will even bury them. Their wives won't bear them, their sons nor their daughters. They won't care. The love of many is fixing to wax cold. It's already starting to wax cold. But the Bible, that's something Jesus clearly predicted. That the love of many, many shall be offended, and the love of many shall wax cold. Many are going to get offended when all this stuff starts happening. My teachings are very offensive to a lot of people. Well, I've said this before. My life's not a popularity contest. And, um, you know, if you can biblically refute what I'm saying, then that's, you know, I don't want to deceive anybody. I pray I never do that. But um, And I'm not saying I'm perfect. But um, typically truth is pretty offensive. Especially today's day and age when you have more deception by far than truth. Then it says, for our poor, their wickedness upon them. God's going to let this happen. He's going to he's going to let the wickedness be poured upon them. So when you now, what does this also imply? The people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets, and then it says they'll die with a sword and famine, and not even their wives or their sons or their daughters. They won't even bury them because they'll the, because God's just going to let this wickedness release. What does this imply? This implies let's let's say it says wives, sons, and daughters. What does it imply? This implies the head of a house. In this one particular verse, in verse 16, the head of the house, who were receiving the false prophets lies, what what did God let happen to that man of the head of the house? What did God let happen to him? Because he's at the highest accountability position. Okay? If you're up here as a woman listening to this particular teaching, and your husband doesn't have any interest in truth, he's in a very serious position. He needs to get right with God and get a backbone and rule his house biblically well before it's too late. He's the head of the household. 
He should be ruling the head of the household in a biblical way. The husband's the head of the wife. The wife should submit to the husband. But what if the husband, and I see this all the time, they don't have any desire for, for anything scriptural. The word of God, they don't have any, any desire at all. They, don't, they could care less. And I get, I get emails all the time from women. I had a couple, I think, this week. Well, should I submit to my husband on this issue? It's terrible, you know, that, that the, the husbands are not taking the reins. That's a whole other study, but they need to. Because it's biblical. But they need to get saved first. If they're not saved, then <laughs> you know, that's prerequisite. So anyway, um, but what this implies is that the head of the house here, in verse 16, that receives the false prophets will be cast out in the street, will be killed, neither his wives nor sons nor daughters will bury him, because they'll have no care for him anymore. For I will pour out their wickedness upon them. They're going to get wickeder and wickeder and wickeder. Who? The wife, the sons, and the daughters. What does this imply? This implies that this affects the whole family. When you, as the head of the household, embrace the false prophets, and that spirit of deception, that will permeate from you, the head of the household, down into your family, your sons and your daughters and your wife, and if the head be sick, the whole body's sick. And then they're eventually going to turn against you. It says it right here. It's what it implies. Now we had to dig a little bit, but it's very clearly implied in this verse. So Zechariah 13.3 then says, if we go to Zechariah 13.3, And it shall come to pass, that when any shall yet prophesy, then his father and his mother that beget him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live, for thou speakest, speakest lies in the name of the Lord. Now, this, this verse clarifies itself, because if you just read... Well, if you prophesy, you're going to die? No, if you prophesy lies in the Old Testament, you will die. Now, this is a pretty tough verse here. It shall come to pass that any that when any shall yet prophesy, then his father and his mother sh that beget him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live. Why? For thou speakest lies in the name of the Lord. In other words, he prophesied falsely. And his father and his mother that beget him shall thrust him through when he prophesieth. Oh, how'd you like that responsibility, mom and dad? I saw Junior in the bedroom prophesying. Um, go get the, uh, go get the, um, something to impale him with, and we're going to thrust him through. Your own kid. I'm telling you, man, you talk about being tested and proven. The Old Testament was a rough time to live. I mean, if you, were, if you were a Jew keeping the Levitical law, I tell you what, now I'm not saying what we're going into is any walk in the park either. Okay? But that's some pretty heavy duty stuff. Now if we go to Jeremiah 2.8, Jeremiah 2.8 says, The priest said not, where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. Now again, they were under the Old Testament Levitical law as Jews when Jeremiah 2.8 was written. The priest said not, where is the Lord? See, they didn't say where is the Lord. They didn't care where the Lord was. They were doing their own thing. And then it said, and they handle, and they that handled the law knew me not. They were just false prophets. Oh, they, they could seem religious all day long. They could go in their long flowing garments and have their mega churches and do whatever, like today. But they, they don't know God. 
They don't know the Lord. The pastors also transgressed against me. This says the word pastors. In the Old Testament. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by what? By Baal. Baal. One of the most wicked chief deities of all time. Basically the devil. See, well, how, how do these, these, these guys that go around posing as men of God, where do they get all of their knowledge and their prophecies? From the devil, a lot of times. Most of the time, absolutely. It says right here, they prophesied by Baal. This is nothing new. And walk after things that do not profit. Jeremiah, then the next verse says, Wherefore I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. See, God, the Bible says it's God's will that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God just doesn't turn his back the first time this happens and say, okay, you're done. I, he's long-suffering. So I don't want to give that impression either. Because what I'm talking about here today, for the most part, is the end, end, end product where they had gotten to a point where they weren't going to repent. God knows the beginning from the end. He knows if you're going to repent or not. He knows who's going to get saved and who's not going to saved. And there comes a point in time when you cross some type of imaginary line with God and, and it's over. Hosea 4.5 says... Therefore shall thou fall in the day. And the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night. Again, this is why the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. When you make flesh your arm, and you trust in man, then the logical byproduct of all that is your heart will eventually depart from the Lord. Okay, and that's why it says, Therefore thou shalt fall in the day, this is Hosea 4, 5, and the prophets also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. See, this affects everybody. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, I don't know how many times you've probably heard me quote that verse. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Well, remember, Jesus Christ was the mediator of a new and better covenant. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. So we're not under Old Testament Levitical law anymore. But we have a new set of rules to live by under Old Testament covenant that Jesus Christ ushered in. Okay, and that's a whole other study. But this same concept applies today. Being destroyed for lack of knowledge and, and so many people rejecting knowledge openly. Remember, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. It's all about getting in the word. That's where you're going to get the truth. What I am doing today should not substitute for anyone listening to this broadcast them getting into the word. Preferably every day. And praying and living holy, and there's a lot of things that go along with this. But don't let this don't let this be your be all and end all. Or any preacher. And if there's any not un, things that aren't clarified, check it out. Get in the Bible. Look up these verses. All we're doing today is looking comparing scripture with scripture. I think the Bible is pretty clear, it speaks for itself here. But again, this isn't the type of 
teachings you're going to get, really, because this doesn't bring in the big bucks. You know? This ain't going to make any Mercedes payments, this type of preaching. Oh, no! <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm one of the probably the poorest doctors you know. <laughs> because of the stance that I've taken with what I do, and the stuff that I get into, I'm not very exactly very very popular with a lot of people. Or even, I've, I know I've lost a ton of patients. Just because either they've heard about me or, or whatever. I don't try to shove anything down anybody's throat. But I've walked away from a ton of monetary benefits, a ton of, I guess you consider prestige. I've, I've walked away from in order to be right with the Lord. The Lord convicted me about it, and I'm not saying I yielded that instant. Many times I didn't. Many times I, it took me a little while to figure it out, but I, I'll, I ultimately yielded. And that's the, I'm not just saying this to, 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 to make myself look better, but I'm saying that this is going to be the case with just about anybody that seeks this path, that goes down in the narrow way. It's not the popular way. It's not the way if you're trying to seek to make money. It's not the way to go about it, trust me. <laughs> it's not. Um, it's a humbling way. And God many times will use these things to humble you um, in order you know, to get you right with Him. I've been humbled. Oh, I've, I've definitely been humbled. I know what that's like. And you know what, though? I've found that the times that the Lord's humbled me the most were the times that I drew closest to the Lord, which is exactly the reason He let it happen. Okay, when you're humble before the Lord and you're meek before the Lord and you go before the Lord as a little broken child, you know what? I think that's like probably the closest you're going to probably be with the Lord in this earth. I really do. So I don't really view that as, as, as a negative thing, whereas most people would say, oh, no, I don't want to go through that. It's not fun. Here's say it was fun. But looking back, you'll cherish those times. You will. You will cherish those times. So anyway, if we go further... My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Now remember what I said, this always affects the family. This isn't just about you being Mr. Apostate Dad, head of your family, Mr. Jellyfish Spine. Let, let your wife rule over you with an iron fist, which is all totally unbiblical. This isn't about that. You know, this is about how does this affect your family? It's one thing if you're content to go to hell, but are you content to let your whole family go to hell too? Have to ask yourself that question. Now I'm really getting up in people's business. Jeremiah 5.31 says, The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? That's pretty much says it all. Prophets prophesy falsely. Got a boatload of that. Priest bears rule by their means, not God's means, their means. And my people love to have it so. That pretty much says it all. Right there. Isaiah 30, verse 9 says that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. You could just say they will not hear the word of the Lord. Rebellion is as the Bible says. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. 
Next verse, Isaiah 30.10 says, Would say to the seers, See not. Now these were seers that were actually true seers. Remember, God dealt with the Jews differently than He deals with this current dispensation of church. Because the Bible says the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after knowledge. See, God always dealt with the Jews through signs and wonders. He did it that way back then. I mean, look at how He delivered the, the, the children um, of Israel out of Egypt. It was like one sign and wonder after another. Every day you woke up. Manna falling from heaven, doves falling out of the sky, water coming out of a rock. The signs and wonders everywhere you looked. That's how they were used to being dealt with, okay? So there were, at the time, back then, in Isaiah, oh, well, he also didn't have a completed word of God back then, would say to the seers, see not. See, there were true seers back then. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Now, there were true prophets. Obviously, this is a lot of these people that wrote these books, like Jeremiah and Isaiah and these types of people. Prophesy unto us, prophesy not unto us right things. We don't want right things. We want smooth things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Man, this is this is the world all over again. This is exactly what's going on today. This is why if you do any this type of hard preaching in churches, they will reject you. Next verse, verse eleven. Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease before us. Isn't this pathetic? But this is, this is the exact time we're living in. If you went into a, your modern day... Could you imagine somebody like me or Pastor Slattery or Pastor Weaver at Smiley Joe Olston's church? You would see a riot in there within 15 minutes, probably. Riot. You start seeing those demons coming out of people like crazy. Oh, all those people all dressed up in their Sunday vests in that big stadium church. You, you, you start to see those demons come to the surface real quick. You know what? God could restrain all that. If I went up there, they could they could try to stone me, they could try to pull guns on me or whatever, but you know what? They can't do anything apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. God could restrain all that. Great fear could fall upon that congregation, and they'd have to sit there. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just speaking hypothetically. All I'm saying is God's on the throne. He could do that. They need it. There's no hope for them. These people are all going to hell and thinking they're going to heaven. So it says, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path. This is what they're saying to the prophets, to the true prophets and the seers. This is what the people want. Turn, turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease before us. What does Jeremiah 6, 16 say? Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask, for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein. And ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. That's exactly what's going on today. In pseudo-apostate, corporate 501c3 Christianity, worldwide. 
Now, I'm not saying all churches are like this. I'm not condemning every single... I'm condemning the vast majority. Absolutely. Because they're going the broad way. The way that with, which leads it to destruction. But we're supposed to stand and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? This old King James Bible is an old path. All these new modern day perversions, that's the new path. That's the wide path. 200 version wide path. And there's one way with the King James Bible, which is the narrow path that leads to life eternal. That's where you get your truth, is what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying it's not possible to get saved out of an NIV. I actually did get saved reading NIV ver verses out of a book called um, En Route to Global Occupation by Gary Kaw. I believe I was absolutely saved. Because the chasing of the Lord was on me right away. <laughs> and I didn't know what it was, and I didn't like it too much. But the Lord got me straightened out after about four years of being an idiot. I don't know, I don't know how the Lord did it. I, I, I mean, He really is long-suffering. He really is. Because the only thing I deserved is death. That's really the only thing I feel like I deserve now. Even as a born-again saved Christian, I feel like about the only thing I'm worthy of is death and hell. But apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, that's all I am worthy of. When Paul said, Oh, what a wretch of a man that I am, who would deliver me from the body of this death? I can really relate to that verse. I can. Because we're going to battle, no matter if you're saved, you're still going to battle the flesh to the day you die. Doesn't give us a right to go around and be a devil and live like the devil and sin. Doesn't give us an excuse for that. Not at all. But the closer you get to God, the more you're going to see your own sin, and the more you're going to abhor your own flesh many times. So anyway, um, we go to verse 12 in Isaiah 30. Wherefore thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise this word, O me, now we know where the rubber meets the road, because ye despise what? This word. Why, why, why is all this going to fall in? Because ye despise this word. And trust in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon. Notice it said stay. They stay in it. There's no conviction of sin. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils having their consciences seared with a hot iron. This is the time we're living in. When they are giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And they love to stay in this. If you stay in something, essentially your conscience has to be seared. Because there's no conviction to even get out of it. You just stay in it. You're trusting their oppression and perverseness. But notice the first thing he says, because you despise this word. You know what Proverbs 13.13 13 says? Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. Proverbs 13.13 13. Wow! Proverbs, the book of wisdom. Verse, chapter 13, verse 13. Rebellion, rebellion. What is the worst rebellion that you could bring against the Lord, despising His word? Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him not anything made that was made. That's John um, chapter 1. So when you despise the Word of God, you despise Jesus Christ, essentially. He was the incarnate Word that came and dwelt among men. He came to His own, and His own received Him not. So, 
But all boils down to despising the word. Really. Next verse, Isaiah 30, 13. Therefore, this iniquity shall be to you as a breach, ready to fall, swelling out of a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. Judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. And I'm telling you, this breach is probably about ready to be broken. Because I don't know how much more storing up of sin and iniquity we can do, particularly in America. The Bible talks about the sin reaching up to heaven. Well, when you're, when you're, when you're uh, aborting 4,000 babies every day in America, and that's not even an accurate statistic worldwide, we're going to talk about that either next week or the week after that, abortion. Um, telling you, in the sodomy and, and all the wickedness that's going on, I, I can't see how it's going to be much longer. Um, we're going to go ahead and end there in this particular part of the teaching. And we're going to do another part next on... Um, we're really going to zero in on false prophets and what the New Testament has to say, and some of the old about false prophets.